Welcome to another episode of the Unapologists Podcast, where the best PD happens in your own backyard. Today we have the Doritos of Super Bowl ads, Christopher Polson. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 the Dorito, I might be a Super Bowl ad, but bud, you're the Super Bowl. Oh, Christopher, you're too kind. Too, like the, too uh, truthful, I think, is the word you're looking more, for. You're too true. More like the, the pre-show when people are just waiting for the thing to start. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Vita McKenzie on this end. Thank you, Chris. Uh, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty. I'm doing pretty good at the time of recording. Uh, you know, things are going pretty well in terms of my teaching and being in the class at time of recording we are it's february 8th i want to say i don't know um <laughs> and we're on the 10th, uh, on the 10th but we're going. on the 10th i'm two days behind uh so maybe it's not going as well as i thought um but no we're still we're in person teaching which is is really good and uh got some just great classes it's a grind it's a, it's always going to be a grind especially with the added uh, frustration of all the, the the covid stuff wow well that's yeah it's just that that's that's just that's been this whole year that's been this whole year and and i'm not gonna lie this last week chris has has been tough like I, i've really felt the exhaustion of the year weigh in and it it's not only everything what's happening with covid19 and quarantine and uh just trying to navigate that because i know my family's in a better position than many and so I'm always thankful of that. But I just hit a point last week where I, I didn't just want to teach anymore for that week. Like, I love teaching. I love my students. But it, it just, I got to the point where I was just so exhausted. And and I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to wake up tomorrow and do another class. I, I don't know if I can, I, can, I can do that. And, you know, I'm thankful we have so many people that are there to be supportive and to encourage and like here's some resources because you know i'm building a course from scratch every month in this octomester system i'm in uh, but you know resources are great but it's the equivalent of a comedian giving you their lines before going on stage and saying here these are my jokes they work great it's like thank you i appreciate that but i still got to look through it sift through it like it, it's you know, and deliver you it and, and deliver, deliver it in my own way so i i really felt the exhaustion this past week um i guess you know the benefit of that though is that it's like if i'm feeling that my students are in that boat with me and it's just it's forced me to slow down and say you know what forget going wide with the curriculum or anything else let's go narrow and deep let's step back let's just let's just go through this month one day at a time and so you know it's it's today was better but uh i've really felt the exhaustion this past week well, you know what, my friend, uh, I'm here for you. And and one of the things I think, I think we're, we're in that boat together. I think anyone who's a teacher this year, you can only hear someone tell us we got this so many times. Um, we're in the boat together and we're here to support each other and we're here to build each other up. And the only way we do that is, is by recognizing when it's hard. So I think I think that was a pretty uh, I would I think there's a pretty strong statement. We're here. We got your back, and uh, there's countless teachers out there in that boat, and we hold each other up when one of us is weak. That classic Neil Diamond song, "Brother Loves Traveling Salvation Show." You got one good hand, reach it out to your brother, cause that's what it's there for. Thank you. Uh, so so we're here for you, man. And uh, best part about when times are tough, they get better. And it makes that it makes that better so much sweeter. It does. And what better way to improve the mood that I what just, better way? What better way 
that I just the mood I brought down by introducing an amazing guest we have with us, Chris. Special this, this guest. Special guest. And this this guest, ladies and gentlemen, all of you listening right now, <laughs> you in particular who are straining to hear, who do you have this week? We have someone coming to us uh, who is teaching in Zhengzhou in the province of Henan in China right now. So, Chris, please tell us who we have on the show today. We have Cassandra Larson with us tonight on the show, and we're so excited to have her. She, like Vito said, she's in China right now, and uh, she is just this young educator who is kind of forging her own path. One of the reasons I wanted to to bring her on the show, number one, was to, to tell us about this experience she's having right now, uh, but also to hear her story. You know, this is a young person, so she uh, she's born and raised in Fort McMurray, Alberta. She's a Fort McMurray uh, resident, and but she... She seems to she seems to just find herself outside of Canada a lot. Um, so she <laughs> studied she studied at Graceland University in Iowa, but she didn't just study there. And, I, and maybe we can get her to talk about this. But she also uh, she's also a pretty darn good softball player. She played on their the university team down there a bit. And, uh, and then she came back when she started her career. She started her career in Fort McMurray, actually at the school that I currently teach at. She said, wow, I can't be at a school with a teacher as bad as Chris Polson. I'm going as far away from him as possible. And so now she's in China. She's doing great work there. We can't wait to talk to her about all these different, uh, you know, her story. Um, welcome to the show, Cassandra Larson. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I feel very special. It's our what time. Is it, it really is. What what time is it where you uh, you are right now at the time of this recording? Uh, it's Thursday morning. It's just after ten. We are recording this on Wednesday night here in Canada, just so everyone knows. This is not only an international show; it's a time traveling show. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I think I'm 14 hours ahead. Or 15, 15 hours ahead. Well, if it's anything like the intro, I'm apparently two days behind, so we're all over <laughs> there the place. You go. <laughs> Time is just whatever relative right now to whatever. <laughs> Cassandra, welcome, welcome. Like, this this is incredible. I'm like, just uh, bio and when Chris is telling me about your story. And, and so let's start with, like, I mean, you... you uh, Taught in the city you grew up in, and now find yourself mm. on the other side of the world. Uh, but mm. but before we even get there, you know, tell us your story. How you came to find your passion of the profession, and, and taking the plunge to even be a teacher. Yeah, I think I'm, it's kind of one of those typical stories where you know when people say teachers run in the family. I wouldn't say that my family is full of teachers, but my mom be, has been a teacher for I think over thirty years. And when I was in high school, I remember a few people saying to me, oh, you're probably going to be a teacher. I can see you being a teacher. And I fought it for a while. I was like, no, no, I don't know about that. Uh, but then I think when I got to that time of getting into grade 12 and starting to think about university and I knew for sure I wanted to go and study, I just, when I really thought about what did I want to study and then what do I want for a career, teaching just felt like a good fit for me, I think, because yeah, I really wanted to work with children. And I also, I'm kind of a nerd. So I really enjoy school and learning. And um, I liked the idea that it was different every day. It wasn't like a boring desk job and it was challenging. So yeah, I think it just lined up with what I was looking for. And it just kind of got to that point where I was like, I can't fight it anymore. I think it's just my fate that I'm meant to be a teacher as well. 
I don't yeah. you just hate that? You're just like, oh, no, <laughs> that's not me. That's not me. Oh, fine. It's me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people called it before I even knew. So, well, that's interesting though, because like people called it before you even knew, which really means that people saw something in you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, sure, your mom's a teacher, but my mom's a, a was a was a was an ICU nurse, and there was no one coming up to me being like, "Hey, you're gonna help people be healthy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, no, I guess that you're you're right. So I didn't I didn't know for sure what I wanted to to study in terms of if I wanted to do the primary secondary route. So I think when I got into it, I just I really liked math and science, and I decided to pursue secondary education yeah so that's wonderful and you hit on a really important point here is that you you love school you love learning and i I find that that's one of the character traits of teachers we we love learning and that's why we Mm -hmm. i think we became teachers because we get to learn every day so that's yeah that's really telling right there that's a really cool see a love of learning for so long so let's keep it going So, so you graduate from your education degree and you get a position in your hometown your discipline where uh, and the things you'll love to do teach for a few years and now you find yourself in china <laughs> so t- t- take us through that decision making process because, because because chris knows me he knows this is a that's a very veto thing to do so i i get it but can you take your decision making process yeah how you got I, to there i just i like even when i was putting together that question i was thinking about every single person who was my section of my b ed the goal was to get the high school teaching job at their high school and then stay there mm-hmm. for 30 years and i i know your story and i'm like gets the job in the hometown in the discipline in the division goes to china yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's that's very true actually yeah because i was in my um my probationary contract year two, the right the year before I left. So I actually was offered a continuing contract in June and I turned it down to, to come to China. Yeah, no, I think it was more, I was, it was something I've always wanted to do. I really wanted to teach overseas. I think teaching is such a cool profession that you can really go anywhere in the world. And I am, you know, still quite young and it felt like this was the time to, to do it. I, I felt a bit more confident in myself and my teaching ability after teaching for two and a half years. And so I was just like, I think this is a good time, good time in my life to just, just go for it. So, oh, yeah. I love hearing that. Oh, just go just for it. I love making that. the plunge. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Keep going. Yeah. I love that. It is. A, it was a bit scary, but like I said, it was something that I've always wanted to do. So I, I didn't want to have any regrets by, by, I guess not saying it's the safer, there's nothing wrong with staying and working at your home in your hometown. But for me, I just was something that I've always really wanted to do, just to have that experience of teaching in a different country, completely different culture, completely different language. I, I just liked that, that challenge that it was going to bring. So, yeah, I really didn't want to go to an English-speaking country. I really wanted to go to a completely different, different type of country. So, yeah, so I found myself uh, recruited to come to China. I think China is a really really great place. A lot of people end up coming here, I think, just because um, there's a lot of international schools. And I was looking at going to an international school because I wanted to still teach math and science. So I didn't just want to teach English as a second language. Um, So yeah, so it all kind of just started out with me. I signed up with, it's called Search Associates. My cooperating teacher actually at the school Chris and I worked at, she, the year that I was a student teacher, 
she was actually starting to look at teaching abroad and she ended up in the Bahamas and she went through this platform. So that's actually how I kind of learned what's, about it. What's that platform's name again that you use? Yeah, it's called Search Associates. Uh, sure. So it's pretty much just a website where you sign up and it's a pretty extensive application process. I had to do everything from, of course, resume and I had to get recommendation letters to I had to say, you know, what I'm, where I'm interested in going, what is my experience, um, my, educa- my education. I even had to write a bio. Uh, I had to have a photo up- uploaded. So it was actually quite extensive. But what's kind of cool about it is you actually get paired with it. They call it an associate, which is kind of like a mentor. So I had this guy, I think he was in Ontario. And so he was the person that I would like contact and if I had questions and I could email him, I even talked to him on the phone a couple of times. So that kind of make the process also um, a little bit more comfortable too, I think. And so once your application is complete, you can go to job fairs. They have job fairs actually all over the world um, that you can attend. I never attended the job fair. I didn't get to that part, but I, once my application is complete, it's pretty much like sent out to all the international schools and they match you kind of based off of what these schools are looking for and then what you're interested in teaching. So I got to see the schools that were looking for like math and science teachers, secondary international schools, and then they could also reach out to me as well. So I, I would get an email um, from schools who are interested and uh, yeah, and then they would set up an interview. So I did a few interviews. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I hate to interrupt, but like for yeah. many teachers who go through the process, it's always like send out, send out, hope, hope you get that job. In your case, you were getting multiple offers. Is, is that how it worked? A lot of schools would send you offers and then you got to kind of decide where to go. Is is you Were you in control of where? Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah, it kind of was like that. I would say they were more, they would just contact me, like email me if they're interested. And then we would set up an interview or just a Skype call uh, to just learn a little bit more about the school and for them to meet me. So yeah, I was a bit late in the process. I definitely recommend if you're wanting to teach internationally, they do start quite early, like even sometimes October for the next okay. school year. That's that's what I was about to ask. So you're looking yeah. kind of in when a, when the when the North American school year starts up, you're kind of thinking a year in advance. Yeah, you almost have to be. So if especially those job fairs, the big reason why I didn't go is because they were earlier. They were like October, November, December. But I started my application, I think in it was in the new year. And so I think my application wasn't complete until February. So I was a little bit late into it. So yeah, I, I recommend if you want to have probably more options and things like that, I would start earlier. Um, but it definitely shows that, um, you know, even starting so late, it, it definitely shows for like our listeners who, yeah. are, you know, this is something they're thinking about doing. There's a need. There is. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. For sure. I Like I said, so I, I had a few interviews, but the school that I work for now, I just felt like a good fit because it was teaching in a in a high school and teaching uh, math and science and it had a, a definitely like a kind of a from what the principal was describing it's like a family kind of feel it's a smaller staff we're kind of like 
I would say we're like a foreign teacher department. So there is Chinese teachers and a Chinese staff. Like there's a whole Chinese side to the school. So we're kind of like a a foreign teacher department where we teach the English classes. Uh, And so, yeah. Do you ever intermingle? Is there ever a chance for meeting each other and socials in that regard? Um, not really, to be honest, they, the Chinese staff, they work very hard and not saying that we don't work hard too, but they work very long, long hours. And <laughs> not also, saying that we don't work hard, but, 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 but don't work as hard. <laughs> we don't. But and that's it. the truth. And that's the truth. No, they, a lot of them will even work, sa- they have to work Saturdays. Um, they also, the students that are in middle school, they live at the school. Uh, okay. we don't, we don't have any of that kind of responsibility of like watching them in the evening time, but the Chinese staff are the ones who do the nightly study halls and yeah, who supervise, I, I guess the students, um, outside of the school hours. So yeah, we, I, I would say that we definitely are off the hook when it comes to a lot of those responsibilities. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, they, they have very long days. I would say it's not that we don't have any intermingling, but we are, like I said, we are kind of different departments. Like, and so the Chinese classrooms are in a different part of the school than our classrooms are. Also, um, not a lot of them speak English. So that's also another barrier. We have like these Chinese administrators and a couple of them speak good English, but actually most of the Chinese teachers do not speak English. So that's also another reason probably why we don't mingle too much so it seems as though this process like it's a pretty involved process but at least Mm -hmm. the company that you were with you know made it as easy as possible yes yeah like even though it's not necessarily like an easy thing to do like you're saying you need like a bio and a picture and 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 all this stuff and your resume but like you said they they set you up with someone who's going to take you through like a mentor so while it is a big process it's a big process made as easy as possible i agree yeah i agree i kind of what i like like i said like what i liked about it was the fact that Yes, that part was on my end, the application process. But then after that, it's kind of like you're just like presented out to all these schools. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and, not like I have to because it's kind of overwhelming at first. I didn't know exactly oh, I where I wanted to go. There's like thousands and thousands of international schools all over the world. And I was just like, I don't even then, know where to begin. Then they come in and, and it becomes real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just... I'm sorry, I'm stepping on your words here, Vito, because I just have to say this. Uh, two things. Number one, you know, Cassandra said she's with Search Associates. This was, we just have to just drive home that this was Cassandra's experience. We can't say that all of every single one is the same. Um, and, and they are not sponsoring this podcast. Today, no, there's either. no sponsor whatsoever. <laughs> no. We just, I just don't want people to think who listen to this, oh, my experience is going to be just like this person's. We'd hate to mislead anybody. And number two, we just have to say right now, we are totally watching Cassandra drink out of a Tim Hortons mug. And I had to mention that. Yes, because <laughs> there is Tim Hortons in China, just so you know. So if you ever are missing a piece of home, there are Tim Hortons, at least in my city. That's amazing. Well, that's that's really cool. And and while we don't want this show to be about this, I think it's important that we touch mm-hmm. upon it for our listeners. Can you take us through what it's like uh, in your experience to be in China during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I uh, again, this is just this is my experience. Um, first of all, I was actually back home teaching online uh, 
in Feb- starting in February. I was traveling in Thailand for the Chinese New Year, and then when things were getting kind of crazy here in China, um, our my I, my school pretty much told us not to come back. Um, they said the school was going to be postponed. At that time, they said in, at the end of February. So I booked a ticket back to Canada, and because I was out of China for over two weeks, I didn't have any issue getting back into into Canada. So I was lucky in that in that sense. I wasn't like stuck anywhere. Uh, so yeah, so I was actually in Canada from February to October. So I, I taught. Actually, I actually think we we saw each other, didn't we? Yeah, you, you, we you did. came and visited. I did. Yeah, and yeah. I just remember being like. Yeah, I know. I did. I did come into the school to to visit everybody. Um, and at that time, like I said, I didn't know when I was going to be back. I was not expecting to be teaching online for that long for seven months. But I mean, obviously, it was just in the beginning, it was safer. And then it got to the point where I couldn't get back, like trying to close their borders at the end of March. And, uh, it, it was definitely a process to get back. Um, I had to get an invitation letter from my school and from the government, and then I had to reapply for a work visa. So that, that took a little bit of time. So then once my flight was booked, um, I had to get a COVID test in Vancouver, uh, 72 hours before I flew out. And so everyone on that plane had to have the COVID negative test results within that time frame, And, uh, yeah, and then I actually flew into Shaman and I quarantined there in a hotel for two weeks. Okay. Then after that, <laughs> I flew to Zhengzhou and I did a seven-day home quarantine, not on my campus, on a different campus because they didn't want us uh, meeting with the kids. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. so let's just say I did in total 24 days of quarantine. Wow. 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 And, so, and so that's yeah, just it wow. is. And I got six COVID tests within that time frame. So it was it is quite intense. But now that I'm here, I get it. Because, you know, I think some people everyone has their different opinions, but some people think that like that it can't be this good here. Like it can't be this good. Like, there's no way. There's millions and millions of people. My city's 11 million people. There's no way that there's no COVID uh, positive cases. Well, after this experience, I believe it, honestly. So right now, yeah. So like that, that's what I'm thinking about. Like right now in your experience, in in your present moment, it's it's fairly good. Very safe. Very safe. Yeah. I feel very safe. Um, Yeah, there is actually uh, no positive cases in my city of 11 million people. My province. 11 million people. 11 million people. Because I think it's it's pretty strict. I mean, also right now is the Chinese New Year holiday. And that's kind of how things escalated last year. The first time, yeah. The first time was because people travel to their hometowns and they spend this holiday with their families. And um, because of. COVID. And it's not that there's no cases in China. I'm not saying that, but uh, my province is quite strict. And also the schools have their own measures as well. And so uh, none, not even the Chinese staff are able to travel outside of Zhengzhou. So okay. we're all staying put. I'm okay with that because I Well, feel you're there like anyway. <laughs> well, that, but like, I mean, obviously part of the reason why I wanted to come to China is I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be able to see other people 
our other parts of, of Southeast Asia. Um, so it is a little bit of a bummer, but again, I would take that any day of staying and kind of staying in this bliss bubble that we're in. And so that we can go back to teaching in person. So a big fear is that like, yeah, if they would just let woo, everyone travel willy nilly, then we might be back online. And that's obviously, I want to avoid that at all costs. So, so you're, you're teaching in person right now. Yeah. I'm teaching now, in person can, uh, right now. So in, in your class in person, mm-hmm. um, like, are you wearing a mask when you teach and does every student have a mask? Um, it's kind of personal yeah, and I know, preference. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I know, I know culturally there people wear masks sometimes they do. They even do. before um, this. Yeah, we all wear masks. I would say, like, not everyone, but a big portion of the population does wear masks in public. So, and, and it is because of COVID. Even though there is no known positive cases, uh, if you go into a taxi or you go onto the into the subway, you have to wear a mask. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. If you go into the malls, you also have to wear a mask. Now, something else that's kind of unique is they do everything through the phone. Um, it's, we use this program called WeChat. And so like we pay using it, um, we scan things using it. And so for the pandemic, what they've done is uh, once you get through quarantine and you have a negative, COVID, your last negative COVID test, you get this green check mark. And that is how you're able to get into like the malls and restaurants is you have to scan the QR it's code. It's almost like I don't have it code. Yeah, and it gets you a green check mark in it, and then there's actually like literally someone s- standing by the door in the mall, and they're checking, and they're also wow. checking your temperature. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So, um, so yeah, they are still using things like that, and then yeah, in public, I do wear a mask. If, like I said, if I go on the subway, if I go into a taxi, if I go into the mall, entering into a restaurant, we do wear masks. Uh, but in school, um. When I'm teaching, I don't wear one. I would say that some of the students do at all times and some of them don't. But when you're in the hallways and things like that, you are supposed to be wearing okay. a mask okay. yeah. going yeah. to the lunchroom. But yeah, so it, it, it has laxed a bit, I would say. And like, I feel quite safe. Like we are, like I said, kind of in this bubble. Yeah, Even this, saying. I think some of the students if they are traveling for the Chinese new year before they come back to school, they have to get a negative COVID test. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's also part of the process too, is they have to get a, a negative test. It's just yeah. interesting to hear how, how, you know, being there in China, how, how, what your experience is, because normally I would yeah. not, I, I don't know anyone in China except for you. So it's really interesting to hear. Um, because you, yeah. you hear about stories from around the world. So it's nice to hear what's happening on the ground, especially in cases there. Yeah. So that's awesome. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's uh, it's, yeah. it's amazing to hear and for listeners. And you know, again, we didn't want to, the episode to be about this. We just wanted to, to hear the experience. Yeah. So let's uh, let's jump back on the bandwagon then. Let's get and, back uh, in. Hey, let's let's get, get back, back into it. Let's get back into the teaching then. <laughs> so you so you go through all this process to get there. Yeah. And you're teaching virtually, and you're finally back uh, back in the province, and you're you're teaching now. Uh, so take us through what it's like t- teaching in China as a Canadian. Um, like this is from your perspective, of course, like what's similar, what's different and uh, what's your day-to-day experience as a teacher. You kind of touched upon it, but uh, what's it like? Oh man, it's very different. <laughs> it's hard to say what's similar because honestly, it's, it's very different. Um, <laughs> hard to say similar. <laughs> yeah. really similar. It's hard to say. <laughs> um, I would say 
yeah, like I'm teaching uh, pretty much a 100% ESL population or ELL. Uh, and so, and they're Chinese. One student is from the Philippines, but she moved here quite a long time ago. So she speaks fluent Mandarin as well. Uh, so yeah, so it, yeah, it's a 100% uh, ELL population. And I wasn't quite sure what their English level was going to be coming into it. Uh, luckily, when I started in 2019, they did an ESL summer camp with for the seventh graders. So those are the ones coming from primary into my school. And I was able to kind of start to see, okay, like what level are they at? I would say overall, most of their level is quite low. Um, I try to compare it now that I've been here for a bit. It's kind of like they took English class like how we took French. Okay. So they took it like a second language class. And I think even they would do a grammar class if they went through. My organization has primary schools as well. So we have elementary teachers too. And the foreign staff that teach those classes only teach them English as a second language. Um, and then we also have like Filipino staff and they teach more of the grammar type classes. And so, uh, yeah, so they, they took English, but, but they live in a country that not many people do speak English. So they don't practice it very much. And so, yeah, their English levels were quite low. And, and so I teach grade seven to 10, but you definitely see the, like how their English levels have improved over the years. Um, and it's just varying abilities. Like there's some of my students, it's hard to even have a, a, a simple conversation with, but then there's some of my students that I can talk just like I talk to you. So it's, yeah, a wide range of abilities, which can be definitely a challenge at times. Um, but I, what I like about, about this experience is that these students, when they go into the high school, they're pretty much making a choice that they're going to take this English path and go to an English speaking university. Because up to ninth grade, they're taking both Chinese and English. But now they're making a choice. I want to just focus my studying on the English side. So they have to take the TOEFL to get into an English university. They have to take, they want to go to America, they have to take the SAT. So they start to really uh, prepare for that. Already in 10th grade, they're thinking about university, which is hey, quite wow. intense. Wow. So the difference in the students can be, yeah, like I have the most unique class that I love. I teach six girls in 10th grade. That's it. That's my class. Wow. Six girls. Wow. And they are actually a dream. Like I feel, I, I it's really amazing. So I teach them math and I teach them biology. And uh, yeah, they're just very nice, intelligent, hardworking, um, really mature. Yeah, group of girls. And I like I said, it's just very unique. I said I probably am never going to have a class like this for the rest of my career. <laughs> So, so, so what, what is yeah. the day to day? Cause you said you teach math, you teach biology yeah. and th those, you know, uh, we've had a lot of teachers who just get very stunned by those courses and like shut down and like, oh, I don't even know what to touch it. And, you know, I also, I, I did teach math in grade seven, eight. Uh, so I know it can be a lot of fun and it can be a yeah. really good thinking kind of classroom. What, what, what's your experience teaching that in this environment? You have six girls, you're teaching math and biology. How does that look on a day to day basis? Yeah, so it varies. Like I said, I teach middle school to, to 10th grade. Ninth and 10th grade are considered um, high school level courses um, on the English side. And then I teach the middle school as well, the seventh and eighth grade math. 
I would say they they do actually really amaze me. Um, I would say the math that I'm teaching the eighth grade is equivalent to what I taught 10th grade back in Canada. Wow. So, okay. So they're, they, they do have, they, they are quite math savvy. And I think the reason why is because, yeah, it was something that they did at a younger age and it was, and it's numbers. So maybe their English level is low, but when it comes to the actual math part of it, the process, the algebra, the solving equations, that's pretty universal. So, um, found so a, that, a common, really common cool. language to speak with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously like what I'll do sometimes is when I'm introducing a method, I have this one student in my class who studied in the UK for quite a few years. So his English is really good. And I'll be like, when I introduce, okay, this is what the method is called in English. And then I'll be like, Eric, can you translate it for the, for the class? And then they'll, he'll translate. And then they'll be like, Oh, okay. So the words obviously for what we're doing is different in Chinese, but the, they've seen a, a lot of this they've seen before already in their Chinese math. So that makes it a little bit easier to teach math, I would say, versus like teach just teach them English. So yeah, I've been I've been enjoying that. Um, yeah, and they're then, very hardworking. Hard go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'm um, just gonna say that they're very hardworking students. The one thing that it's bit, a bit different. It's kind of like I remember saying last year to my tenth graders, I was like, you know, do something fun this weekend, like go out and enjoy being a teenager. And, you know, and then in Canada, it would be it. Sometimes I would be saying things like, please do these five questions I've assigned for homework. <laughs> over the weekend. So there is a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a, a different a difference in that sense. It's kind of like, I'm trying to tell my students to slow down and enjoy being a kid a little bit because they do have a pretty hectic schedule uh, even on the weekends, they're taking extra classes. Like whether it's my my tenth grade students, a couple of them want to study art, and I think it's really cool. Like they're really talented, and I, I think it's great that their parents are supporting them in in that. That's their dream is to go to an art university, and so on the weekends they're doing like art classes. And one of my students said to me, "I have eleven paintings due by Saturday," and I was like. <laughs> like you know <laughs> it's so it's i'm so tired cool. just hearing about it <laughs> uh, so how yeah. sorry how long is a school day uh, yeah like i was just about yeah. to ask like what does your day actually look like like, like what that time does yeah. it start like it depends on the day it depends on the day we do this kind of unique thing on monday mornings it's called gate greet so we actually greet the students as they walk into the into the grounds uh, because that's when the middle school get dropped off. And they actually are like, ha they have their suitcase. They're rolling into the school. So they go um, home on the weekends. They only go, they go home on the weekends. Yes. Mm -hmm. But they're there from Monday to Friday. So grade seven to nine, they live at the school in the, during the week. And okay. so we start a little bit earlier. I think it starts at 7.20 a.m. 7.20. Yeah. Oh, 7.20. I'm, I'm getting my son up. You know, I'm getting him to. I'm saying, put your boots on. We're gonna think about going soon. <laughs> I'm driving my daughter to daycare at that time. I'm like, daddy's got to get to work soon. Wow, yeah. greeting them at seven twenty. Yeah, so that's only on Mondays, and then uh, our school, like the bell rings for first period at eight a.m. So okay. it's similar to uh, how our schedule was actually, in the sense yeah. it's, a, it's like block periods. It's ninety minutes, and I teach four periods a day. Ninety uh, minutes, even in the middle school. Yeah, it okay. is, which is, but they do get a break time. That's good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they also have this cool thing uh, <laughs> before class starts, and this is in the elementary too. They do a one minute meditation. Oh, I love it. I uh, love it. Yes, yes. And I, I, I wish I, I, if I heard it right now, I could probably speak it to you, but like, cause it, it's like, okay, now put your palms together. And, and anyways, and so they'd say it in every, English. Every class is this. Well, all the elementary classes do. And then they started to open it up so that the seventh graders and eighth graders could also hear it. Um, so, yeah. So the middle school can also participate in the meditation. No, it is good. Actually, yeah. my, my, one of my call, one of my colleagues, she worked in the elementary last year and now she's in the high school and she, she does it every day with her with the seventh graders because she's like it calms them down like well, it you works know, you know me cassandra like i work yeah. up for like 90 minute meditation <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so then yeah so it's it's a uh, classes end for the day at four um we have an hour lunch and so yeah so classes end at four but then the students actually do an hour club time after school the middle school switches between they do one day of club and then the next day they'll do a Chinese class because they'll have Chinese class from four to five sometimes. So it's either we're doing clubs or, or they do the Chinese, but the high school just do clubs. And so us, te- us foreign teachers run the clubs. So we have peer oh, tutoring. Cool. Yeah, we have peer tutoring. Um, there's uh, usually in the fall, we have kickball and badminton and there's basketball and dodgeball in the gym. Um, we've done movie club. We've done board game club. I run the, I do like a math lab club. So it's supposed to be like kind of like extra help for math. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we do that from four to five. So our day four ends at five. Wow. Yeah, so our day ends at five. And then the middle school students, this is where I'm like, this is a long day for them. They usually get a little bit of time and then they have dinner starting, I think it goes from five 30 to six 30. And then they have um, study hall from 6.30 to 9.30 every night. So no one has an excuse to not have the homework done. Yeah. Well, two of the hours, I think, are Chinese. And then they have one hour for their international class. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, they have long days. They can be very tired during the week. I can imagine. Uh, so probably a yeah. lot of that weekend is just recharging the batteries for those youngsters. Well, I don't think they do though. That's the thing. I think yeah. Eleven paintings and uh, yeah, eleven recharging yeah. batteries. Do these eleven paintings? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So yeah, they're they're long days. And that's Cassandra, you're working yeah. hard, bud. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I I do really enjoy it. My class sizes are quite small. Like they they vary, but I have the sixth, tenth graders, and then my ninth grade is twenty. I teach them biology as well. Oh, that's and not bad. Twenty is not bad. Well, twenty is a good number. Seventh grade, I is the biggest class. There's twenty nine, and then my eighth grade, we have two sections, and so one is I think eighteen, and one is sixteen. Okay. Yeah. I dig yeah. that. I do too. I do too. <laughs> I like. Yeah, it. I dig that. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be good with that. Oof. 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 Yeah. Yeah, well, this, this, this is amazing. So like hearing your experience just gets me excited and uh, almost regretful that I didn't jump on that Sam bandwagon, <laughs> uh, bandwagon. But, uh, you know, for our listeners right now, there are so many young people who are graduating from education programs or like you who are in the early stages of their career, those first few years 
or maybe in the late stages of their career, the, the last few years, um, who, who might feel that call to teach abroad like you did. Uh, what, what advice would you have for them? I mean, obviously, I would say, like, do it. Uh, I don't think there's a better way to learn about another culture than to move to that country. Like, I've learned a lot about the Chinese culture. I obviously live here. What's one thing that surprised you the most? Oh, man. Um, there are 10 very, things that surprised the most. You know what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say what surprised me was, and this is just to be very honest, is they put us foreigners, English speakers, kind of on a pedestal. Um, really? I actually, yeah, we're treated very well, like, as a foreign teaching, like in the school, we're t- treated very well by our employer. And then also I would say too, like, if we're just even walking down the street, um, out on the subway, the, the young, the young, especially the children, they'll really stare at us. And a lot of it is just because they've never maybe seen someone that looks like us in person. Like they mm-hmm. will see it on TV, you know? And so I don't know, there's a bit, I think of, they think we are just, I don't know if it's because it's just we're just different, um, but it's not of like a make fun of. It's just that they're really interested, really interested. Like they'll come up and say hello, and then you'll be like, "Hi, how are you doing?" And then that then they'll say "tingudong," which means I don't understand. <laughs> so they don't know. <laughs> they don't know much English, and I don't know that much Chinese. But there is just that respect there. I think obviously, I think the pandemic has changed it a little bit. I haven't felt really any like discrimination or anything like that, but I know at a time there were a little bit of just like, I think because of what's going on in North America and that seeing a foreigner, they're a little bit, they were more worried about us, I think, than we were of them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though I've gone through this really lengthy quarantine, I've been here for a long time. I just think that's just comes to being educated as to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, there's that fear of, Oh, someone's flown. Like they obviously flown here, you know? Yeah. They're not from here. So, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, We get a little bit of that sometimes, but overall I would say that they're, they're very, yeah. Like they, they kind of put us on a little bit of a pedestal. Like, wow. Like they speak English. Wow. It's a foreigner. Uh, And that was kind of cool. I, like yeah like we've been to some historical places and they'll ask to take their photo with us oh that's cool i'm like you're just kind of like i'm just an average joe type person but oh no it's far from it um Uh, here's here's i guess guess here's my my kind of my kind of last question for you i was just thinking as you're saying this so you 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 took the plunge Mm-hmm. And there had there had to be a little bit of fear there, probably, you know, fear, anxiety about making this massive life decision. You get there. You have to come back. There's a global pandemic. You're teaching online. You get back. You're back in the classroom. You're doing your thing. But there's all this stuff going on in this kind of like this, this world we're living in that's a little shaky. But it seems to me as though, like, if you had to make the choice again, like, would you make the choice? Do you love it? Yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad that I came back and I'm really glad that I did this. I think as a person too, there's been a lot of personal growth. Obviously being more independent, I'm on my own here. I don't have my my family if something happens. Nothing has happened, but I'm just saying, you know, you do have to rely on you yourself and I. And even though I've made some really great friends here that you kind of become like a little family 
we celebrate holidays together, we celebrate Christmas together or Thanksgiving or whatever. You have to be independent and you kind of have to figure things out and especially navigating a country that they don't speak much English. Like you really <laughs> yeah. just have to become self-reliant. And I also, I think, yeah, like you just become more open-minded. I love it. I don't I think there's it. anything else, but you're just going to, you are going to gain from the experience no matter what. There's going to be some sort of personal growth, I think. And yeah, so I'm really happy. Like I said, I've met some really cool people here, um, both as for, like foreigners and some Chinese people that are just, yeah, like really, really interesting, interesting humans. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Hey, uh, Vito. Chris, you uh, you wearing a watch tonight, bud? Listen, I'm always wearing a watch. Cause you know what time it is. For this time, <laughs> it's, it's pulse and points time. time. We got the pulse and points. Pulse and points extravaganza. Uh, you know, listeners, we've been talking with Cassandra Larson tonight, and she's just been fabulous. Uh, I've been I've been either like had my fist in the air or like my jaw on the ground the whole time just hearing <laughs> these stories. Um, and the pulse and points tonight are uh, there's a lot of them. Um, and you know, one of the things we're, we're doing now, um, with the second show on Mondays, uh, five minutes or it's free with the recap, I'm, I'm really trying to cap my Polson points at five. Cause I feel like I could do a whole show that's an hour and a half just called the Polson points. Um, but I'm trying to cap them at five now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil um, the fun. So here's, here's the thing, my friends, uh, number one, sometimes things line up. And you have to lay down your arms and pursue it. You know, sometimes if, if, if people are saying you'd be great at this and you'd be great at this and you'd be great at this and you'd be great at this, sometimes it's worth thinking about. And that's not saying throw out what you're doing, but think about it. Lay down those arms. Hey, I really liked what Cassandra said. And I think this is true whether you leave your home country or not. You can go anywhere in the world with teaching and you have to follow your dreams to do it. Now, whether your dream is to have that job at that high school in that town that you grew up in, it doesn't mean you can't go anywhere. You know, th this, this wonderful profession we have takes us on so many journeys. You know, in, my, in one of my first years teaching, uh, they came up to me and just said, hey, do you want to go to Rome and Paris? You know, you're, you're, the opportunities are there, but you have to follow your dreams. And that's, that's such a big, you know, I think that's such wonderful advice. Um, hey, if you're thinking about getting out there, it's different. Don't expect to uh, don't expect to take your feet off the ground and for it to be the same when when you land back down on it. Um, and hey, one minute meditations, one minute of your time to save your whole day. I think everyone should do those. I love them. And our final pulse and point of the night: if you're thinking about it, do it. If you are thinking about it, and I don't, and, and if you're thinking about going overseas, start the process. If you're thinking about doing a really cool unit in your LA class, do it. If you're thinking about doing something really cool in your math unit, do it. If you're thinking about it and it's, and it's eating you, do it. Oh, but Vito, guess what? What? Tonight is the start of the big vibe of the night. <gasps> the big vibe. Big, big vibe of tonight. Sandra Larson. Whatever you want to do, whatever is your passion, whatever is the thing that you want to just inspire your students with, just go for it. Just go for it. And you know what? It might be an absolute success. It might, you might fall flat on your face. 
but at least you tried it. And those are your Polson points for the night. Wow. Thank you, Cassandra Larson, for joining us. Thanks so much um, for coming on the show. We really yeah, appreciate it. It was amazing to have you here and listen to you. And Chris and I were just in awe listening to your story. <laughs> so thank you. Keep up the great work that you're thank doing. You. And we'll be very excited to hear an update from you sometime soon in the future. And thank you all for joining us this week for another episode of the Unapologist podcast. Join us next week when we'll talk with great people learn new ideas, and tell the story of teaching as it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off. The Unapologist Podcast.